What's so funny? I just don't. I don't really know what you want. Well, so <laughs> I know what we're doing here. Well, I wanted to talk about. It's John. It's John. Gluten is not your problem. Conversations with culinary chameleon, modern day Renaissance man, and my friend Walter Schmidt. Join us for insights, musings, and rants on food culture, life, the universe, and more. Please enjoy. And you were talking about the evolution of the loaf. Well, the loaf just makes me so angry. So, yeah. But we were talking about bread. Right. And, And, yeah, so it's like they had this loaf of bread and... They couldn't do anything with it. It's like it's just it has all these negative connotations. And it's it's useless. So mm-hmm. then they sliced it up and they had sliced bread. Like oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Suddenly, positive, a, a beautiful positive outcome has come from the loaf. Like they were kind of pigeonholed in this horrible thing that they've created, the loaf, and they didn't know what to do with it. And then they sliced it, and then shortly thereafter, somebody was like, they probably screwed up somehow, and they toasted it, and then all of a sudden they had toast. Now you have toasted sandwiches, and then you have French toast. Like, you know, bang, like all these amazing things happen. And there's just no, you know, you're loafing around, and you're you're, you're, you're loafing off, and there's just no positive connotation to loaf. You're, you're a real loaf of a guy. Like, no, it's not good. So speaking of, like, the evolution from loaf to slice to, to sandwich to, to Monte toast. Cristo to yeah. toast, I to wanted French to ask you, I mean, I talked yeah. to, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your evolution in the culinary world mm. and how you you began you went to culinary school i did um and what was the the impetus for that what was the was there uh, something what were you doing before that that you decided i would really love to tell you that it came from some magnanimous beautiful place but it's just lust it was um <laughs> okay so i was in high school of course as uh-huh. many of us begin and i was taking a it was a, a American regional food class that Mrs. Bonine was teaching, and she was teaching us how to cook all these things. In high and, school? Yeah. Okay. And Anne Bonine was amazing. She was a wonderful teacher. And, um, and uh, yeah, this, this woman came down. And, you know, we're at that age where they start sending these, these people from different colleges and universities and schools to, like, try and, you know, attract us to go to their schools. And I think her name was Mrs. Fox. I don't... I know that that's her last name, but I, I, it was it's complicated because she was a total fox. Like, I was, like, enamored. She was gorgeous. And she came from the Art Institute of Seattle's culinary, you know, thing. And she's talking to us about their culinary program. And that was the first thing that was, like, just kind of planted a seed in my head. So then, you know, months, years later, whenever I was actually applying for schools, and my mom's, you know, hounding me, like, where do you want to go? What are you going to do? And I'm just thinking, I have to pay for school on my own like what does this look like you know and so I chose culinary school because I was thinking that woman is up there in Seattle waiting for me (laughs) she wasn't she wasn't you never saw her again she never saw her again and I'm pretty sure yeah she has no idea she was a recruiter for something else exactly she moved on with her life and out of my life forever and so you decide at the fresh young age of 18 that you're gonna become a chef no well I was in theater. I was really in deep in theater, and I had uh, uh, this scholarship that I'd won to NYU over the summer of my junior year, and so I went to New York, and I was doing the whole theater thing. And were you in any productions? 
Well, no, I mean, it was school. The school. So, yeah. So, I mean, we did we did perform our thing at the Strasbourg Institute, which is just off-Broadway. So, technically, <laughs> we did an off-Broadway off show, but it was only like our parents were invited. <laughs> How was it received? Uh, it was terrible. The reviews? They we were awful. I actually still have the script somewhere. Um, but uh, What was the show? It was a, just a, it was a weird mishmash thing that we kind of wrote and put together. Oh. And, like, we had to write parts because we had all these classes for like theater and writing and like it was a whole immersive program so we had to write monologues and then perform them like in, and incorporate them into the show so like the show was written by us directed by us and then performed by us and it was really i don't know it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing like the song our opening song that we did where mm-hmm. each of us each of us had like one line of this song i didn't know it was from pippin and I didn't know that until, uh, was it two, three years ago, I was up in Seattle and an old friend of mine took me to see Pippin. And they started doing this play and I was like, how do I know all the words to this song? This is crazy. And I, yeah, I was really amazed by that. But it occurred to me at some point um, that everywhere you would go or all these movies and TV shows and everything about actors trying to make it. They're always like starving artists trying to make it in the world as waiters. And I thought... I don't want to do that. I want to be, I'll have a backup. I will go to school to be a chef. I'll still work in the restaurants. I'll still be out there, but I won't be the starving artist. I'll be a successful what artisan, artist, artisan. Right. And then still pursue my acting career on the side. Can't lose, right? I got, mm-hmm. I got both ends covered. And but what they don't, what nobody ever really explains to you is that like when you get involved in theater, you are immersed with those people in that culture of theater and that's all they talk about. That's all they know about. That's all they're they're into. And then when you go to culinary school, it's all Anthony Bourdain and Escoffier, and like we're gonna learn about food and who all these people are and what is food. And it's just it's just so, everything is so immersive. So like since we've been bartenders the last thirteen years or so, it's like yeah, we're talking about you know Murray Stinson, Murray the Blur, and and who's Jerry Thomas, and who's you know what is a cocktail, and how do you make a good cocktail, and it's all it's just, immersive. It's immersive. You're just in it. So I didn't know that going in that I was going to be immersed in culinary, but yeah. So NYU, and then you decide you're not going to well, go through it was with that. Super you're... expensive, like yes. NYU, and I wasn't making scholarships. And you know, like I said, I've got four older brothers, four older sisters, and and the youngest of nine kids. Just the money's gone. Like they're not. You know, the schools have all been paid for, and my my older sister got like the last free car. So, mm-hmm. and and most of her schooling paid for so what by the time little walter came around like i was i had to have a full-time job pay for my own first car and pay for my own school so i had to culinary had, school yep and so you so, move up to seattle yep and there we are and you get into culinary school i got in i wrote a little letter to the dean or whatever you know your little opening letter saying that you were passionate. really really yes passionate about everything and just oh i just poured it on thick and they you know oh, you're, you're you're worth us taking all of your money. So, mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more of a business than a school. But, right. Yeah. And so would you say it was valuable? I mean, you learned. I think everybody should know the things that I learned there. But um, I don't. The value ratio. For like, the money. For the money. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. That was a terrible waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> like That was a but there's a lot of great knowledge. You learned a lot. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Not just about... Like storeroom, you know, like how to receive product. Like when you go and somebody 
drops off a case of limes at your restaurant, you look at them before you sign that piece of paper. You say, nope, these are not good limes. And you send them back with the delivery guy. Like, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever the hell does that. Like, everywhere I've ever worked, I look at this hideous fruit and vegetables. I'm like, hey, chef, the cucumbers look great today. Like, I try and compliment them. I'm trying to encourage his positive behavior you know mm-hmm. but then when they look bad i'm like hey who received this product like did you did anybody who signed can i see the invoice who received this and they're like aren't you the bartender shouldn't you go back to like where you belong and i'm like yeah but i just kind of want to know like who to shake my finger at you know like because they need to know it's like hey you know dennis if you're gonna sign for this thing like you need to look at the thing like if the shrimp is bad don't sign that piece of paper you need to send it away and this is a problem you've seen in many places every place yeah i've never worked in a restaurant where it wasn't a problem receiving is a huge problem mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that was and that was just one class like yeah costing stuff out purchasing like figuring out your poor costs and your restaurants that you work you know like and um machine and tool skills like just basic I go to somebody's house and they're like cooking and you see them holding their knife wrong. You're like, hey, um, can I, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> be that guy, but can I not watch you cut your fingers off? Like, I really, I care about you and I just want you to, oh no, I've been doing this. Like, I know you have and you've been real lucky so far and I'm super proud of you, but can we just, can we just curl your fingers under? So just a little to, bit. Just hold your knife this way and yeah, look, see how much more comfortable that is and you can actually like rock your knife a little bit and you're not hurting the blade like that chop 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 that sound that the blade is making on the surface of the cutting board is really bad for the knife like you're it's not good but yeah people don't want to hear that so in culinary school like what is your what was your we thought i think we touched on a little bit before but like your favorite part of culinary school was there one particular aspect of cooking that was more well, of a soups, joy. stocks, and sauces was always my favorite. Building yeah. sauces, like you just you take, you know, the the juices from like you cook things down and you, it's like poetry. You you take language and you kind of distill it down, or even alcohol. You're distilling it down to its to its fundamental flavor, like that that richness of like meat. When you you kind of you cook it, and you roast the meat, and that's great. But those juices that came down off of that roast, and you pull that pan out, and you. You cook them down even further, and you throw a little wine in there, and you cook that down even further. So you're you're cooking it down, and you're making it more intense. Like you take language, and you, you kind of cook it down, you know, until you have like just a consummate one sentence that embodies an entire paragraph of information, and that's a good poem, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Reduction. Right. What about baking? How do you feel about baking? I hate baking. <laughs> just for me like i i, mm-hmm. I love enjoying. you love baked goods i love baked goods i baked love bread, enjoy donuts, all cookies. the smell of fresh baked bread there's like oh there's nothing like it well freshly cut grass but but like yeah like baked goods are you know amazing but um baking itself it's is just not. i just don't i don't understand it's always you know a, a half a tablespoon of salt and if you mess that up it's ruined like it just will explode or collapse or it will and you don't get to know for 30 minutes yeah and you don't get to know where you stand until you open that oven and what if you open the oven too soon then it falls they do that thing where it falls Mm -hmm. it's at the souffle yeah souffle's fallen yeah it's it's terrifying and frustrating and and how do you get creative with that like it's like you take a recipe you learn a recipe and like okay well i can't really play with any of that it's chemistry it's like if i if i if i put less baking soda and a little more sugar. Or... Like, yeah, if I add this, then it's like, well, yeah, then it just explodes into a pile of crap. And 
that nobody wants to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know how to manipulate it. So I don't understand don't how it. to play with it. Like do you I, do a lot of cooking these days? At home. Yeah. Yeah. You did the, what was the, the scallop dish? Oh, Coquille Saint-Jacques. That was really good. Now, you did a cocktail I did. with this, I right? Did. So explain to the people what the dish is first. So it's this thing that my mom used to make, and it's it's called Coquille Saint-Jacques, and it's little scallops. And I don't know what the Saint-Jacques part is, but it's uh, it's in a, a very thick, rich, creamy, um, like an egg and uh, heavy cream and vermouth sauce. Mm-hmm. And caramelized onions and mushrooms and all of these lovely things. And you bake them all down. You cover them in gruyere. And you bake this sucker off, and it's just a, every everything about the dish is amazing. And I used to love it when my mom would cook this thing. And I was doing a cocktail competition a couple of years ago, four years ago now, I guess. And I um, it was an olive, olive centric. It had to be the olive was the like mid- a martini, right? Right, the martini madness. And so I took my mom's coquille Saint Jacques and I turned it, deconstructed it into a martini. And how did that, I mean, so break that up just a little bit. So you, you, so the main part of the dish, I mean, with the, the two, scallop. the two key parts, well, three, I'm going to go with three, Okay. the vermouth, the scallop and the gruyere. So I took uh, the gruyere and I rendered it down. I cooked it, got it all nice and melty. I did what's called a fat wash and I took, I browned it, put it in the oven till the, the gruyere is all lumpy and bubbly and brown and melted. So all the, the fat's separating it's congealed and you know when it's cold and it just kind of separates out and then you hit it with cold uh gin in this case i used gin i should have used vodka in retrospect but um like a friend of mine told me you know vodka is so passe like you should be a little more edgy with it i'm like (laughs) fuck all right i guess i'll whatever anyway next time hindsight right yes 2020 so so yeah, so I made the fat wash with the gruyere, and then I took the vermouth, and I, well, I caramelized a bunch of onions, and I didn't want to cook off the alcohol from the vermouth, so I caramelized the onions, and then I hit it with the vermouth and took it off the heat, and basically just kind of made a caramelized onion-infused vermouth tea kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I took bay scallops, uh, smoked them, little little tiny bay scallops, and I, I smoked them off, so they got a nice rich flavor, and I stuffed them inside the olive. And um, I don't, how did I get the? Was there more? There's another component in there I'm missing. You've got the cheese infused gin, yes. vodka gin, and, and then the yeah, and the vermouth, and the vermouth, and that's it with onions and then scallops. Where did the scallops go? Though the scallop was smoked scallops stuffed in the olive. Okay, and how was it received? They loved it. I won best olive. Really? I did. All right. So they liked the olive, and they were like, "Oh, the drink is." I mean, the drink was very good, but they were just yeah, they were. It was too. Uh, is arcane? It was too ob- academic, obscure. too obscure. It was, it, it was too... too weird. Like they, they're like, everything was sweet. Everything's sugary sweet. You know in those competitions, and they, it was a, it was a savory cocktail. And oh, I forgot to turn that off again. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but um, didn't you just do another one this last year that was also a savory cocktail? I did, and I actually won uh, most creative cocktail that year. This year, mm-hmm. I've took a caprese salad and I deconstructed that into a martini and that would actually it was a little more balanced I actually incorporated a little more of a sugar component so it wasn't totally savory it was relatively savory but the um, tomato confiture that I made for the tomato component of the caprese you know what a caprese salad is uh, with the tomato basil and fresh uh, mozzarella tomato mozzarella. fresh mm-hmm. and and then like a little balsamic vinegar 
And so, yeah, I did, and I did another fat wash uh, with mozzarella, and I threw a little provolone in there because the mozzarella seemed a little mild for the drink. And then, um, and then I did a basil uh, vermouth tea, but I actually used lillet. So it was a basil lillet tea kind of thing. And then uh, tomato confiture, um, basically simple syrup. I was mm-hmm. like, cook the tomatoes down on their own, and then threw some sugar on top of them and pureed them and put them through a cheesecloth and used that as my sugar component in building the cocktail. And was this one a winner as well? One most creative. I mean, people loved it. They kept coming back and saying, oh, this is the best. And they, oh, they always say that, though. If you ever go to these cocktail competitions, like everyone's like, oh, my God, even though no matter how bad it is, they're like, oh, this is the best drink here. You're going to win. <laughs> Did you, um, you've always been very much trying to... Um, Turn food into ben- drinks. Food into drinks, as <laughs> yeah. long as I've known you. And then try it. I remember there was something with carrots in a bottle of scotch, or was that I was trying Irish to do, whiskey? No, it was scotch. I was trying to do, what I really wanted to do was a, I guess, if I make it make sense to anybody, I, I hate things. <laughs> certain yes. things that I really dislike, and I want to like them. Mm-hmm. Like gin, I hated it for so long until somebody made me a gin Cosmo. And I was like, okay. So I started making gin Cosmos with different types of gin. So once you filter out all that really heady gininess, like that really unpleasant like, qualities in gin, and you can t- then taste the differences of the gin, once your brain wraps itself around the flavor profiles, then you can start to enjoy it. And I've never been able to do that with scotch. And... I wanted to. I want to. I don't like hating things. Believe it or not. <laughs> Believe it or not. I don't. I don't like hating the things that I that I hate. I like. I really genuinely want to enjoy everything, but it's just so impossible because everything's so horrible. Like scotch, <laughs> you put yes. it in your mouth. There's burning band aids like Lafroig. I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever put that mm-hmm. shit in your mouth on accident, but it is. So you put carrots. So uh, well, yeah. So I was kind of thinking of like butterscotch butterscotch pudding mm-hmm. i was trying to like translate scotch into something that i could enjoy and incorporate the food aspect that i was just kind of my weird fetish i guess mm-hmm. just, i like food food is amazing and when you have good food there's nothing better than really good food and so if you can take like a really amazing dish that you've always like pizza can you take pizza like your favorite pizza your favorite pizza place and somehow distill that down, reduce that down to a singularity and incorporate something that you've always hated and then make something amazing out of that. And then suddenly you, you A, like this other thing and can now share this completely new brain baby with the world. (laughs) And then everyone will enjoy both things, your favorite thing and their old favorite thing. And now it's everyone's new favorite thing. Have you succeeded in the scotch? Never. No, no. you still haven't. Well, because I was playing with it, but I, I get so much pushback and there's everyone's so goddamn against it. And it's like, it's so hard. I came close. I roasted the carrots off and I felt it just, the carrots weren't strong enough. Maybe beets. So maybe something a little bit more intense mm-hmm. that can actually compete. Cause scotch is so strong. It's such a, now in culinary school, there's no, there's no, alcohol classes obviously because no. these are all kids these are you're underage at this point right well, yeah no this none of the, i only started doing the alcohol thing since i was bartending with you right it's um, entirely your fault yeah. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> um so in in culinary school you do sauces 
You do. Um, we touched on the Southwest chicken salad, which did not go over well. No, Planet Hollywood didn't didn't share anything good with anybody. No. Um, what else? So there was one particular. I remember you telling me one story about culinary school and how you you were the only one to get the A plus in the class. And it was for um, hand washing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How does that come about? I mean, did well, so you know your safety and sanitation, or what was it? I think it was safety and sanitation. These are important things in restaurants. Yes, they are. And so they come in with this orange goop, and they squirt it on your hands, and it reacts to ultraviolet light. But you, they make you rub it all over your hands like it's soap, mm-hmm. and then they say, "Now wash it off." And so you go in and you wash your hands, and you come back out, and then they hit you with a black light and see how good of a job he did. And, and you were the only one to... Well, I got, you know, I was, I think I was, I actually, st- it was not the best in class. Karen Neff, Chef Neff. Oh. She was the best. And I don't, she was the best at everything. Don't you worry. She won <laughs> yeah. everything. Yes. And no. There was was no, she really the best? Oh, absolutely. At everything. Okay. No, she would never be second. <laughs> I, I don't know if she went back in and rewashed her hands when she saw me come out. But like, I don't know. I don't know how, what. But yeah, I was in there for a while, I was scrubbing, scrubbing, scrubbing my little hands. And one best hand washing. Did you ever have any accidents in culinary school? Like, I mean, you're using a lot of knives. Several. There's... Actually, the only thing that ever really cut me was my melon baller, <laughs> also known as a Parisian scoop. And I was mm. trying to make potato balls. And so I was like, you know, that's, potatoes are hard. And it's not yes. cooked, it's a raw potato. And I'm trying to make like a perfect sphere. With this, so I'm pushing the melon baller through this thing, through this potato. As I'm twisting, it pinks off, and the little part that's like welded onto the actual spherical part of the melon baller went through the potato and just about took my pinky off. But that was it. That was the only. No, I cut part of my thumb off too. You're gonna make me talk about that. Those poor bastards. <laughs> that's this... is that why you brought this up. <laughs> It was sausage day, and we were... Oh, God. You have to, like, freeze everything. So everything has to be cold because you don't want the, the fat to separate when you're making sausages. So, like, mm-hmm. all your bowls, your knives, everything's got to be cold. And so you're working with all this, and you, you're, you're taking this cold meat and these cold herbs, and you're, you're mushing it together with your hands. And at one point, I was, like, chopping it with, like, you know, those big two-handled uh, um, knives that you cut through cheese bricks yeah. with? I was using that silly thing to, like, kind of chop through this big thing of, like, that's not what it's intended for, is it? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I've never. I mean, I've only seen them use it on cheese, but I think a knife can be used for whatever you can see the okay. use of the knife for. Yes, I feel like that's fair enough. <laughs> I might get some argument from that, but so you're chopping the meat. I'm chopping the herbs into the meat, and I cut off the tip of my thumb, and it was like a good portion of my thumb. Like you could see the rings. It looked like a tree. It didn't bleed. But you could see, like, all the way down, like, it was it was deep. And I think it didn't bleed because everything was so cold. Like, my hands were numb. But I never found the end of my thumb. And I wasn't going to forfeit my grade. <laughs> <laughs> so I stuffed those sausages and a class ate them. So somebody ate my thumb. Am I going to go to jail for telling this story? Is that illegal? I don't think so. It wasn't It wasn't for sale. Like, it wasn't public service. No, no, service. no. This it was is... just my classmates. We all tried each other's sausages. It could have been you. I might have eaten Did you it. eat sausage that day? No. Oh, God, you... no. My thumb was in there. Are you crazy? <laughs> uh. <clears throat> but you made it. You So you went to culinary school. You're working full-time in culinary school. Yeah. I was, like, yeah. the only one that had a full-time job while I was going mm-hmm. to school. Um. 
Were there any good restaurants or bad restaurants or fun restaurants while you oh, were working? Amazing, in? yeah. There was well that I worked at. No, yeah, no, 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 no. They were all horrible, but not not horrible. I mean, these there were, were some cool ones. These were not the height. La Fontana of, was amazing, and I learned know. a lot from Chef Michele. But like Just spaghetti the guy that factory at people. Was, He's a chef, yeah. Oh no, no, that was in Eugene. That's, okay, no, that's that was different. years ago. Oh, the spaghetti factory. That place yeah. is a machine. Ugh. Can you tell how much spaghetti do they make in a night? On a slow Monday night, ten thousand plates of spaghetti. I shit you not. Ten thousand that's just spaghetti. <laughs> that's not the Parmesan things, that's not the lasagna, that's just spag. How many is that is that the uh is that industry? Old spag? Talk? That's what we called it, yeah. <laughs> What about meatballs? How many meatballs do they make? I have no idea. I don't even want to think about those trays and trays. and Like those hotel things, those mm-hmm. hotel towers, with those hundreds of trays of meatballs and, and meat sauce. What was your job there? I mean, were you line cook? I actually, I, I had um, two. I was one of the, I think I was like the only person that had, I was front host. I would seat people on some days, and the other days I was back in the back of the house cooking. And you just cooked spaghetti for eight hours. I was boil. I was the boiling the noodle guy. <laughs> like they had the. So how big is that pot? Well, no, it's a deep fat fryer. They had like a bank of deep fat fryers filled with water. And they <laughs> well, because it's just a doesn't matter what you put in there. It has right. a temperature gauge, mm-hmm. so you, you set it to boiling, and it would just boil the water. And you have like the little, you know, like what the dishwashers put um, silverware in. Yeah. To sort the silverware. No, like the little white ones after yeah. they're done. Mm-hmm. So you would just have those and they would you'd boil off. They'd have like daytime people like with a giant steam jackets, those huge, they look like a timpani drum, but it's like boiling water and they would boil off these giant vats of spaghetti and then they would portion out these things into these little white cups and then they would stack the white cups of spaghetti with the right amount of spaghetti in them. These are just the noodles. <laughs> so... Then they would load those onto these racks and put them. This is a spaghetti factory. Like, there's nothing unfactoryish right? about what's happening behind the scenes. It doesn't seem like something so, you'd want to go eat at a factory. So yeah. my job, yes, when the ticket comes up and you've got like the actual cooks, like the saute guys, and, like all these these guys. And I, yeah, I was like 19. It was like my second or third job in the city, and they would just like say, one guy would say three, four, two raviolis, two more, and I'm just like. And I would just throw these white cups of noodles into the they would the the fryers actually had a timer they would lower themselves and then like come back up and you just like put all these things in and then I would just pull them out, shake out the water, dump it onto a plate and send it to the next guy and the next guy would like sauce it with which whatever the ticket said Alfredo, or the Primavera, next guy would sauce it. You were just the boil. I was just the noodle boiling. I was just the reheating of the noodle guy. I wasn't even the like the the prep guy boiling the noodles. I was just yeah. So the the, the noodles were already par cooked or yeah. something, and then you just dropped them, to warmed heat them, them up. up. That's a lot of spaghetti, dude. I remember that place. Like it would come. You with remember Zithra? No, the, the cheese. That? that was the cheese that they made up. It was oh, no, like, what is that? That what was their Zithra. That sounds like Zithra. some Greek <laughs> no, it's monster. Their, no, it was their made up cheese. They, they invented. It was like, oh, Mazithra, and you could buy Mazithra and like their prepackaged little things from the basement. They'd what have, like, was it? It was like Parmesan and and, and uh, Romano, like mixed. It was like it was just par- like two different types of Parmesan cheese, and it was like mixed. It was like half and half, and it was Mazithra. That they had named it. Did it they sell a lot of that? Probably. I don't know. It was on every plate of spaghetti that went out. Is that the worst job you ever had? The worst kitchen job? Wow. The worst kitchen. No. No. What's the, the hur- worst? The Hurricane Cafe. 
That was my first job. And it that was, was a 24-hour diner, right? Yeah, and I worked from 10 in the evening to 6 in the morning, and then school started at 7. So I'd get off work at 6 a.m., and then I would run my ass over the hill and down into the school, change into my chef coat, and start classes until 3 p.m. And I would try and study or sleep or whatever it was that I was doing until 10 p.m. when I had to go back to work again. To make grilled patty melts for drunk people? Oh, no, I was a dishwasher. You were a dishwasher? Yeah. And like okay. the dish pit was just open and they just scream hot pan. And then like a searing hot pan would just come flying towards your head and you would jump back and hopefully they would land in the water near you. So how <laughs> did that job end at the hurricane? I think there's there an interesting story. Well, there that was with interesting. The... More the start of, well, I guess the beginning and the end are a little bit. <laughs> so the way the job started. Yes. I was new to town. Young mm-hmm. kid looking for a job. I'm going to school. I needed a job. So, and it was a 24 hour diner. It's, there's nothing, nowhere anybody underage can go to do in a city like that. There was a dance club called DV8, mm-hmm. but it was like, you want to go to a dance club? And like, no, it was dumb. So we would just go to this diner and, and smoke cigarettes and eat pie, you know? Because <laughs> you could smoke in there at the yeah. time. And just eat, drink coffee and eat pie until you, you know, left. And it was relatively cheap and it was dumb. And so I, would, I was like, but it had cool music and it had a cool vibe. Like the people who worked there all wore black and they all had tattoos and it was always like... Jukebox and... Yeah. And so I'd go and every time I went, I was like, hey, are you guys hiring? Can I fill out? And like, yeah, fill out that. I would fill out tons of applications every time I went there. And finally this guy, somebody's like, oh, actually, I think we're hiring. Go talk to that guy. And this girl points at this booth. And I see this guy, this big, like classic, just fat wretched man just like a just exactly what you would picture a horrible boss like a i don't know how to explain it but he's surrounded mm-hmm. by strippers okay and like all these girls in the back like, of a diner in the front of the diner the front big main booth like right next to the bar there's like the first uh-huh. booth. it's like the biggest booth and he's sitting in the middle and there's like all these girls you can see they're like their go-go boots and they're like shiny you know sequin or not sequins but like just like sparkly stuff and their hair's all done up and i was just like like, this is the guy that, you know, like, cuts off your finger if you owe him money, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you, you want to work here? And I was like, yeah, like, that sounds like I've been wanting to work here. If you guys have an opening, I would love it. And he's like, he says, come here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. You got a job. And I was like, I get off work at 3. I can definitely swing that. I'm like, sweet. Thank you so much, sir. Nice to meet you. I can't remember what his name. Mike? Or Nate? I don't know. But so I come back the next day at 4 o'clock. And there's like FBI vans everywhere, and like all these guys in like big blue coats with like big gold letters on the back that says FBI, and they're everywhere. I'm just like, what's going on? Nick, that was his name. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I go up to this first girl, Charlie, and I'm like, hey, Charlie, I'm here to see Nick. And she's like, don't, she looks around, she's like, don't say his name too loud. Just go in the back, put on an apron, we'll figure out the paperwork later. I'm like, oh, okay, like, what's you going did, on? You were you were excited to work there. So yeah, you were I was like, stoked, I but I had no idea what's going on. And then finally I found out that he had made up last night, he made off with the contents of the safe and like everyone's paid, like everything. He just, yeah, he was the manager, he wasn't the owner. So he just stole all of the money. It was like 10 grand or something. And so they're looking for him. <laughs> so that's how I started working there. And then, uh, yeah, and then I worked there and worked there and worked there until I couldn't. And it was like, I got home. I think I had finals or something. And like, yeah, I fell asleep and the phone was ringing. I had the phone next to my head and I answer it. I'm like, hello, it's like 10 o'clock. And they're like, Walter, where are you? It's 10. You're supposed to be here. And I was like, I'm not coming in. And she's like, 
you're not coming in tonight. You're not coming in for a while. You're not coming in anymore. I was like, I'm just, I'm just not coming in. And I just <laughs> hung up and I never went back. Like I never, they might still have a paycheck waiting for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about writing them? No, <laughs> no, that was like, am I? Yeah, it was like 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I don't know. It's, I don't think it was 30. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. It'll be 30 soon. Yeah. What was your favorite part of culinary school? Like, is there was there some mm. height of culinary school? Was there some special part to? Was there uh, a great teacher? There were oh yeah, there were a lot of great teachers. I was gonna say there's a girl, but yeah, and that too. Was yeah. there a girl? Of course, there's a, there's always a girl. Every story has a girl, Johnny. But um, but yeah, no, I ended up um with a with a really good mentor and good. Uh, one of my best friends in the whole world is uh, Chef Wood. Mm-hmm. Shown me. Ah, uh, he used to. Well, because when I started there, like I didn't eat anything. I was a very picky eater, and I didn't know any of the things that I know now. I was a complete moron. And so my idea was for the lunch that was set up. So you start out as underclassmen, and you're chopping the vegetables. And the next up class takes those vegetables and turns it into a sauce. The next up class takes those sauces, and they turn it into like they use it and incorporate right. it into the larger dishes. So then at noon, everyone breaks, and we take all those things that we that the upperclassmen have made, and they line them up, and they stand behind their little things, and they answer questions, and you eat. You go through this buffet, and you try mm-hmm. all these salsas and whatever it is they're learning about, and you eat all the things that they eat and they that they made, and then they tell you what they are, and you ask them questions, and it's supposed to be this whole learning experience, and I thought it was lunchtime. So I was like... <laughs> I don't want any of that. I won't be eating any of this, and I'm not doing any of that. And I wasn't talking to anybody. I was just like, I just got to get my plate of food and get the fuck out of here because I'm exhausted because I have to go back to work soon. Like, And so he sees me, like I guess, putting this plate together, and I'm skipping past all these things. He's like, what, what's, what is this that you were walking out of here with? I was like, lunch. I don't really know how to answer your question. I think that's you know potatoes right there. He's like, come over here. And he sets me back to the back of the line. He's like, put some of this on your plate. I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, why don't you ask him? And I was like, what is this? And he says, oh, it's a creamed corn, you know, chutney, something, whatever the hell. So I started mm-hmm. learning about how to behave in this environment. And um, yeah, so that's that was Robert. That was Chef Wood. And he was like, he started making me focus on what I was doing. Lift your head up, look around, ask questions. Like, what are you doing here? Like, are you just here to learn how to be a prep cook? Because you could just go and do that right now. Like, nobody cares about you that much. Just so you're go. saying you might still be working at the Hurricane were it not for, for Chef Wood? Definitely not, no. <laughs> but probably, possibly somewhere equally awful. It's John. It's John. Thank you for listening to Gluten Is Not Your Problem. Send your ideas, comments, and questions to glutenisnotyourproblem at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.